Ghosts of Mars is notorious for being the worst film that John Carpenter ever directed. And today, thanks to our voters on Patreon, we get to find out just how true that reputation is. Can it really be that bad? Why yes, yes it can. Welcome everyone to the Atomic Cinema Experiment. I am Peter and joining me as always is Tara. Hello. Why are you looking so... Not relaxed, that's not the right word, but... You got your hand on your, your, your chin, you start slouching a bit. You, you just feel like it. Just feel like just, just that kind of mood. All right. Yeah, well, it's a Wednesday. It's, it's, well, it's a sci fi movie podcast. We get together, we talk about sci fi movies. That simple. And this was a vote winner episode. Our patrons voted between, I think they were all Mars related episodes, maybe. I can't remember. But the winner was Ghosts of Mars, which is the notorious film directed by John Carpenter from 2001. A movie that I have been hearing for 22 years is terrible. So the morbid curiosity was high, but the excitement was low going into this. I'd never seen it. Had you seen this before? No. No? So, yes. We finally get to find out what it is. There's a lot of names in this you'll recognize. There's a lot of faces. We'll go through them in a little minute, but... The basic gist of it is it's on Mars, it's the year 2170-something, and a team of Martian police force, the MPF, are sent to a small mining town on Mars, which is being colonized, and they're currently um, terraforming the planet. They say it's almost done, and they're picking up a prisoner who is wanted for murder at this small town. But when they get there it seems like a lot of people are dead and there's something dangerous going on and i'll leave it there as far as description goes but it ends up in kind of a siege survival kind of movie but set on mars so we'll uh we'll get into all the all the stuff we'll start spoiler free of course as we always do we'll give you a warning before we get into the spoilers if you happen to care about spoilers for ghosts of mars of all things (sighs) i've got a bad feeling that Tara's going to give me a certain answer to this question that I'm going to have to fight for the rest of this. But Tara, what did you think of Ghosts of Mars? Um, <clears throat> well, I mean, I know, I know, John Carpenter has some stinkers in his uh, resume by the end. Um, I don't think this is the worst movie I've seen, but I also don't think it's very good. But it's got some good moments in it. I think it's horribly miscast. Like almost across the board. Do you um when you say you've seen worse, do you mean you've seen worse John Carpenter movies? I don't know. I mean I've seen worse movies. Yeah, sure, like sure. But I I mean that's a pretty <laughs> broad spectrum. I mean <laughs> Yeah. I mean uh, he's got a reputation for his last like twenty years of directing or whatever, but Yeah, I never seen this one and I know he did later the the, the ward was like the last one he actually properly did. Uh, this is his last theater release, though. Did the word not come out in theaters? That's what I heard. I thought the word got a theater release, but maybe not a big one. But I, I glanced through the trivia and it said this okay. is the last theatrical release. Yeah, but was that trivia written in 2004? <laughs> oh, I, that's a fair point. I don't know. Yeah, it may have been, because the word didn't come out until like 2007 or 2008 or something like that. So there's, there's, it's entirely possible that, that trivia was written in that window. When they thought he had mm-hmm. no more movies, uh, and 
from everything I've heard about the ward, we all wish that he didn't have any more movies. <laughs> but, um, yeah, this sucked. Like, really, really bad. Uh, this, made, this was, like, even worse than I kind of thought it would be in my imagination. Uh, I have many thoughts about what this movie is. The previous Carpenter films that it's kind of just redoing parts of, all kind of jumbled together with, like you say, horrible casting. It's trying to be edgy and cool in a just post-Matrix world. And it it just, it just it's lame. It's so lame. And the first warning sign is when it comes up at the start saying Screen Gems, because I don't think Screen Gems have ever produced a good movie. I'm not sure. I, I don't know that name. Uh, they did the Resident Evil movie, or at least at least the first one, anyway. It has some Resident Evil vibes. It does. It has some Resident Evil movie vibes. It absolutely does. And even the music sucks, which really surprised me because I thought, because you know, I saw in the credits at the start, John Carpenter did the music, and I thought, oh well, his music's still been pretty good even in his later years. But damn, this had like so much it, generic. It was like, very Metallica metal. to me. Yeah, it's got a lot of generic power card stuff when things got going. Um, it, yeah, it was bad. There's some baffling, like, narrative structure in this movie that I'm going to tear apart once we get into it, because it just it is just baffling little choices that feel like, they, like, was this written into the script? It doesn't feel like it. It feels like you were doing some sort of weird Frankenstein edit, uh, <laughs> aftermath. Yeah, it does. The I bet you're wondering how I got here. <laughs> there, yeah, there's a, there's there's a bookend sort of uh thing where it's one of the, the, the like seemingly the only surviving character explaining what happened and i'm not so sure i'm convinced that that was originally planned that that feels to me like they wanted to like, explain everything so that they could narrate large chunks of the movie and just sort of like chop up parts of the thing because i have to imagine the original cut of this probably was too long it was probably a mess and the way they were able to like, cut it up and make it a lot shorter was probably to have that that surrounding framework of just someone telling us and filling in the blanks so they could just go from point to point it still feels slow don't get me wrong like it's not like it makes it a well-paced film in fact one of my problems is, is that it feels all over the place what it's pacing and its structure but we'll get into all that so yeah uh I expected this to be bad, and I've seen a couple of the mediocre Carpenter films, but this is definitely the worst I've seen from him. Uh, it, 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 this, really? doesn't, this doesn't feel like John Carpenter. This feels like any work-for-hire shitty director from this, like the early 2000s. Like, this could be Paul W.S. Anderson. If you told me this was a Paul W.S. Anderson movie, I'd be like, yeah, I believe it. Um, I could see it being in the same family, but it doesn't come off to me as Paul W.S. Anderson. Come up, comes off to me as someone going... I want to make a Paul W.S. Anderson movie. <laughs> well, that's the thing. It, to me, it feels like a shitty director like Paul W.S. Anderson trying to do all the Carpenter's greatest hits, but obviously all of it's bad. All of it does not muster any of the things that it's actually trying to mimic. And that's what's really sad about it is that it's Carpenter himself redoing parts from his previous movies and they're all vastly inferior. Hey, it, but they broke. It's... Honestly, this was kind of a depressing watch. It, I mean, I've seen worse, sure. I can agree with that statement. But it was just depressing because this was him. <laughs> like, why, why yeah, is it I this guess bad? I don't have a lot of um, stock in Carpenter. Like, obviously, Halloween's great. And The Thing. And The Thing is great. Assault and Precinct I like 13. The Fog, and I've not seen that film. Uh, <clears throat> they but, Live. 
they live is excellent 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 it sounds like you listen to a lot of movies you really like tara yeah but i wouldn't say that i'm like a huge carpenter fan like like you put carpenter on a pedestal with a bunch of other directors that i'd be like yeah i mean he was grateful in his prime and stuff but i wouldn't say that he's like one of the greatest i don't know like um <clears throat> i think what well, you know escape from new york was fun but i haven't seen escape from la but i, I heard that's worse this almost feels like it could have been a sequel to that as well. <clears throat> I mean, it's worse if than they escape. wanted to do it's, Escape on Mars. I just, I don't know. I think this is easily the worst Carpenter film I've seen. And I've seen John Carpenter's Vampires. I saw Escape from LA. Those movies were not good, but this is worse. Um, and hell, even some of the stuff in his prime isn't all great. Like, I don't like The Fog that much. I think Escape from New York's just okay. But he's got so many bangers kind of sprinkled in between all those that. It doesn't matter. So he had a few weaker ones. Who cares? Like, he's got, like, a swath of great movies. But even his weaker ones from back then, like, when I watch The Fog, I don't love it, but it's still got a lot more style and mood than this does. It's still paced well compared to this. Uh, this is cringe-inducing. Some of the edgy shit in this was really, like... My God, Jason Statham's character, every line out of his mouth is, Hey, Natasha Hendricks, you were in a species. You're kind of hot. You want to have sex? Like, that's every lane. <laughs> it's him there, trying to get into her There's some pads. future stuff in this that I do kind of enjoy. Like, um, I like that there's a matriarchy, that the people in power all seem to be women, including most of the cops that we see, and at least the ones that are in charge. They're all, they all seem to be women. I thought that was an interesting flip for the future, and I like the idea that Mars has an atmosphere to where, like, people don't have to wear anything. They just go outside now. I mean, the air is not quite where it should be, but you know, in 10 years, it will be. So that was like an interesting setting. It's 86% done terraforming. They said that at the start. In fact, one of my complaints, yeah. and it ties into something you just said there, Go I ahead. forgot this movie was a matriarchy because it's irrelevant. It never f comes up, I almost swore. <laughs> it, it never comes up. It doesn't matter. It, no one ever uses it. They never talk about it. No one ever... No, because it's normal. No, it's no, no. normal in this universe, so like it, it's sort of hinted at, no, but there's bullshit. just little things no, no, about it. No, no. It, it, but it, it's never relevant to anything that's happening in the movie. Why the make movie that detail? The movie is called Ghost of Mars. Like, what are you expecting? There <laughs> are I'm ghosts saying, on Mars. <laughs> but you're saying you like some, like this detail, but they do nothing with it. And it's I, never I don't think important. that's true. They do a little bit with it. <laughs> they do jack shit with it. But this leads me to another complaint, though. The reason why I forgot that is because at the start of this movie, you know how some sci-fi movies have the, the narration that tells you about the current state in the future? And some sci-fi movies have a text crawl or some captions that come up saying, this is, you know, what's going on. This movie has both, but they're both telling you different things. So I will posit this. It is impossible to actually take in all the information they give you at the start because half of it is really fast captions that are coming up on the screen, and the other half is a random narrator who's telling you about something as well. And I paid attention to the captions. I didn't hear a single word the narrator said because I was I'm, reading... I'm the opposite. I was listening. Yeah, I was reading <laughs> the ca started. captions. The captions told me that it was a matriarchy. It told me the year it was. It told me it was 86% done terraforming. It told me about the structure... 2176 is the year. Uh, yeah, it told you the year. The narrator, I think, was talking about clouds or something, I, I, or storms. I completely didn't hear any of it because I was reading the captions. It was, like, right away, this was just 101 filmmaking. You're failing. You, like, the information is not being conveyed in a way that can actually be digested. 
this was sloppy and it just it set the tone for like just how shoddy this movie is yeah i, I definitely think that was a mistake uh, to do both yeah that's this uh, yeah shit <laughs> the whole movie's shit but this this was the the, the start of the shit sandwich and it, it never got better um, and it's a shame because premise-wise, like you telling me, oh, we're going to do Assault and Precinct Thirteen with a supernatural enemy on Mars. That sounds awesome. That sounds like I could have fun with that. Maybe it's not original, but it sounds like something I would enjoy. It also sounds a little bit like, um, like when you read the premise of the film, it's a little, like maybe he was inspired by Scientology a little bit. Like, what if there are aliens that are inhabiting, like spirits that inhabit, um humans and use them as a host you know um <laughs> i do not know enough about scientology to get any of this reference but go on <laughs> <laughs> i think there's a little bit of inspiration there but and then maybe a little bit of doom inspiration where you know you get to mars and we're trying to mine all of its resources and we unlock something no, that i don't think so tower because he didn't start playing video games until after he basically retired hmm all his video gaming happened. Well, he had a co-writer. Okay, true. Okay, maybe the co-writer was a dumb fan. <laughs> but maybe he heard about it from like a kid or something. Like, it was I want to tell you about this video game called Doom. It was a new hobby he got after he stopped making movies, and this actually kind of feels like a video game when you when you watch it. Like you can you can kind of see the levels and the boss fights, and um, I don't know, maybe because also it's sort of not military it's a, it's a police officer that you're following but like you know all the gun work and shooting and all that it kind of plays like a video game i don't know it's kind of all in one location though video games tend not to <clears throat> be like they move that. around they move around inside different structures and prisons and then they go into trains a lot. And they go back to that same building and... a lot I, I don't know I, <laughs> I think you're thinking really small scope here for a video game well in 2001 it would have been right Games weren't very big then. Uh, I guess. I don't know. I, look, I mean, <laughs> we're talking about a weird point. But I just, I want to actually talk about how bad the movie is because it is, it is <clears> absolutely <throat> horrendous. And I, I can't, like, it, it exceeded my expectations as far as how bad it is. You know, it also, it, it did one a, a sin for me. First of all, Jackie Brown's in it, which is pretty cool. I'm going to get to the cast in a minute. We'll go through all the cast members. But she says they hung them. And not hanged. Ugh. <laughs> She's an idiot. I agree. Yeah. She said they hung them and decapitated them. And then I was kind of confused. Like, what do you hang them by if they're decapitated? <laughs> That's. Well, because they were hanging upside down. So they were hanging from their feet. I know. But if she, if she started off with they hanged them and then and decapitated them, it's a little bit like, well, hmm. She said yeah. hi, but also, like, I was just confused by the sentence. Anyway, go ahead. Let's get into characters. Yeah, so we got Natasha Hedstridge. Yeah, Natasha Hedstridge from Species is our lead. We got Silt. And she is, I think... Bland. I don't think she's built for a leading role that's supposed to be the one with the charisma who's talking a lot. She's and, super bland, yeah. Yeah, making the commands. We have I actually Ice... find her less attractive in this too because she's so bland. We have Ice Cube <laughs> that weird? A, as the prisoner who they're there to get. So he's kind of like the 
he's meant to be cool. He's meant to be badass and whatever. So he's that's, meant to be Riddick. He's meant to. <laughs> no, that's a weird comparison. You know, you think that this doesn't have Riddick vibes? I mean, it came out like the same year, so I don't think it's intentional. Or pitch, pitch black. I mean, uh, I think that was a year before, but I still think that's too soon for it to have been inspired by it. Maybe. Yeah, no, I, no, he's he's just meant to be like typical wisecracking, like tough man. Like that's that's what he is. Uh, he's not very good in this either. I mean, all the actors come off bad. Even the actors you know can be good from other things. Like Pam Greer, she's terrible in this, and I know she, she can be awful, good. Yeah. Uh, but everything she says in this, she's meant to be the leader of the team. She just comes off as try hard with everything she says to try and sound like she's being tough. Uh, and we get- know she can be tough. She's, like, only ever done tough roles. Yeah, and we got young Jason Statham, who, like, his entire character is just, I want to have sex with Syl from Species, and everything mm-hmm. he says. And I don't mind if he's attracted to her and he tries to make a move here or there, but every other line that comes out of his mouth is him just, like, and he, he never just says it outright. He's always saying weird Ladies things gentlemen. like... What? <laughs> I'm just joking. He he always says weird things like, "Oh, this could be our last chance to uh, to dance." Like, just say it. Just say the words you actually mean. I, I'm like, I'm sick of the euphemisms already. It's 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 painful to sit through. So you, you you've got that. Clea Duvall. Um, she she's a uh, not as known as some of these other names, but you know you may know her from a few different things. Um, Veep, baby, woo. Was she in Veep? Well, yeah. she was also in an episode of the hit television show Buff of the Vampire Slayer, I think you'll find. She was the girl who disappeared. Yeah. yeah no. How elusive. Anyway, uh, she, I mean, her character has nothing to do in this anyway. She just kind of stands around. Um, she's, a, she's a rookie, right? She's maybe a rookie, but it, it's not like she has an arc because she's a rookie and she like grows a pair of balls over the course of the movie around like that. She just kind of stands around. Uh, that's most of the main players uh, that are worth mentioning. Uh, there's a couple of other characters that are a little bit prominent, but not not that much. Uh, one of my big problems with this movie is, for some reason, and it does this like at least half a dozen times, there's just scenes where they do like these weird crossfades in the middle of the scene mm-hmm. where like They'll literally just be opening a door and walking down a little bit of hallway and they'll crossfade as they're coming in the door to when they're just out after the door and then they'll crossfade again till they're another couple of feet down the hall. So they're not really saving time beyond maybe like two seconds. It looks cool. No, it doesn't. I mean, why else would it be there? It's a cool movie, right? So we gotta add cool effects. It feels like something like a film shouldn't do when they're trying to be artsy. And it, 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 it... it achieves nothing. It doesn't build any tension. It doesn't... Like, usually you do a crossfade because you want to do a soft transition to another scene, or if you're doing it in the same characters, you want to show a transition of time. But there's no transition of time here. It's just... Instead of watching them walk one more step, we're going to fade to when they've walked the next step. And they do it several times throughout the movie, and every single time... It's just distracting. Like, why are you doing this? You're drawing attention to the editing style when it's not actually helping tell any of the story. It's... And why this is so baffling to me 
is because, like I said, this is John Carpenter. He's very experienced. He's made lots of good movies that know how to be edited, <laughs> that know how to be paced. It, 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 I, I, like, I mean, it feels so phoned in to me. It feels like he's not even, like, it's almost like he's just kind of on a chair yelling action and someone else is actually making all the decisions and he's just not giving a shit. Like, he's been paid so they can use his name on the poster and he'll show up to set and that's it. That's what it feels like to me, based on the, the final end product that we're seeing here. Well, I mean, this was his last film until he came back many years later, right? So maybe he was just done. Yeah, I mean, I mean, well, it felt like many at the time. I mean, in hindsight, it's only actually four or five years, I think. But it, it, did, it did feel like a long gap at the time. Obviously, now it's been a way longer gap since he made anything. But... Mm. Um, Maybe he'll come back and give us one more. I hope not. Maybe he'll redo no. Ghost of Mars and do it right this time. No, I don't want to see him direct anything else. He, he lost... Because even at this point, though, he hadn't really made a great movie in over a decade by this point. So, like... Mm, I'm good. What does he do now? Just Destiny or something? He plays video games. He does music for some stuff. He does music for the new Halloween movies. Mm. I mean, this... Um... I mean, this editing style was kind of music video-y. Maybe, maybe he was like, because his music was so metal in this, he was trying to make like a metal music video. That doesn't justify anything, but maybe you're onto something there. Yeah, maybe. Um, and then the other thing this movie does, which again felt like so weird to me, is that there's multiple times in this movie where characters will split up and will follow uh, Henstridge doing whatever she's doing. And then it will cut to the present day stuff where the story's being told of what happened. And then it will go back to the point where they broke up and you'll see the end of the conversation play out again. And then it will follow the other person going off and doing whatever they were doing. So, yeah. we, so we go back, we follow them, and the two times we do this, the second time does have some pretty big stuff that happens. The first time, though, it's nothing. The first time they walk away for like a minute, they see one thing and then it like immediately cuts to when they're already back together again and it just kind of felt like you could have just shown like a quick snippet of their reaction to this thing you didn't have to do the whole we're going to go back and replay the end of the previous conversation and watch them <laughs> walk for 30 seconds before they get to this other room where they see some bodies and shit it just i i just it was constantly doing these little things that felt like an amateur which really feels weird when you're watching a film directed by someone who is experienced. And not, not even if you, whether your opinion on Carpenter's super high or not, it, it, like, it doesn't matter. The, the point is he's been making movies for 30 goddamn years at this point. This should not be happening. But this feels like some asshole film student who thinks he's doing something, you know, stylish or he's, 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 you know, he's, he's going to do his weird pulp fiction where he goes back and does things in a non-linear mm -hmm. fashion. I mean, maybe when he made a movie called Ghost of Mars, he was like, no one's going to watch this. Might as well just experiment a little bit. He's made tons of genre movies, though. Like that, this idea that it's, it's because of what the movie is. And he also co-wrote it. It's not like he didn't have yeah. a hand in creating what it is. It's not like he just get given a script and he, he said, oh, yeah, I'll get paid for this. Why not? <laughs> I, mean, I don't know what the backstory is to this. I, I don't know how he ended up on this movie or how it came to be, but the final product feels like a soulless, empty, just... Like, the closest thing it, it feels like it's ripping off from his own movies is Assault and Precinct 13, 
just purely because it's the siege movie where the cop character has to maybe learn to trust the criminal character and they have to work together to survive that's mm-hmm. very assault and precinct 13 but assault and precinct 13 is a freaking great movie it's so well paced it actually is cool it oozes cool like constantly throughout the entire thing as opposed to this where well, this everyone's wearing 2000s cool no, it's not cool. This was shit at the time, and it's still shit now. This, we're all going to wear leather jackets because the Matrix did it, and we're going to try and pretend that's cool. We're going to have lame one-liners. Like, this didn't work at the time. People shat on this at the time. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's hard when you're an old man to think, like, to try to be cool. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> it's just depressing, okay? Like, yeah. it, it's depressing, it's shit. And, I mean, I. at least it wasn't that long. It's the only, the only nice thing I can say about it is that it was under <laughs> 100 minutes. It was, yeah. So. All right. Uh, I guess we should do spoilers. Spoilers for Ghosts of Mars from this point on. Um, although, do you have anything you want to say? I feel like you've not really said that much about the actual movie or what you thought about it beyond just you've <clears> seen worse. <throat> Um, yeah, I do think like everybody across the board is miscast or playing the wrong character. I, I think Natasha Henstridge is, I hate saying her name, Natasha Henstridge, I can't remember what it is. Anyway, I do think that still is super bland. And I think more of what the world could have been like portrayed better through the main character if they like represented the world a bit better you know like it is a matriarchal society and like she is a a cop on mars like you could have done more with it or at least had some kind of interesting quirk or <laughs> coolness <laughs> someone who's a bit more effortless when it comes to that maybe but i think that uh <clears throat> jason statham's okay like he's kind of new at this i think around this time i don't really remember him from much before this i think he's in like maybe a guy ritchie movie before this like not yeah, much okay so he's pretty new on the scene yeah the whole time he talks like there's a guy in skyrim who sounds just like him like he's trying to do jason statham from this movie in skyrim it's all every time he speaks it's the only thing i can hear now is just the guy from from rifton in uh in the thieves guild um and um yeah i was really sad that pam greer is also just so terrible. And I I don't think it's any of the... I don't really think it's any of the actors' fault or actresses' fault. I think it is just poor direction. Because, I mean, obviously we know Pam Greer talk about oozing cool. Like, she was coffee. And Jackie Brown, like, she knows how to do this stuff. Yeah. And she, she's, like... She, there's not even, like, a ounce of cool coming from her in this. Like... No. No. It was really disappointing. Um, <clears throat> there are some, like some visceral moments like people getting limbs and stuff for decapitations that happen where i was like okay i'm interested now and although the villain (laughs) is you know not great i do think that he's fun to look at and fun to watch a little bit because i don't know it's just a he's called big daddy mars (laughs) yeah i mean that's not in the film though they never say that in the movie that's you're just reading that off the cast list i did yeah but I read it early, so. Well, that. that doesn't mean anything for the movie, though. 
Yeah, I, Daddy Mars is here. And honestly, I think you're overselling him though, because he says the villain and he's kind of the leader of the enemy, but like mm-hmm. he's barely like they don't do anything. Well, he just he just looks a bit different. He just stands out visually. That's it. He's nothing. Yeah. He's not even a character. <clears throat> he stands out visually. He's got like a a language. He seems to speak for all of them. So we hear like the Martian language coming through him. And they all do this, uh, like, self-mutilation when they become inhabited by the by the ghost of the, the ancient Martians that have been unleashed due to us, you know, over, um, over mining resources. So it's a little bit of like a, you know, man can't play God on any planet, you know, we'll screw things up and message. Oh, and another thing I was a little disappointed about, like, like there there comes a point where you see like where the the ghosts were unleashed from, and I kept thinking this doesn't really look alien enough. Like it looks like it was designed for humans, and I wish that it was a bit more alien looking. That's all. Mm. Okay. Well, spoilers then. Anyway, we'll get into spoilers so we can talk about everything. The movie opens with the, this train arriving in the one of the biggest Martian cities, right? And uh, what did they call it? Chrissy? Uh, Chrissy? Something like that? Something like that, yeah. yeah. So uh, I, I hear Christ when they say it, but I don't remember exactly how it all fit it together. It wasn't Christ, though. It definitely wasn't that. No, but I heard the Christ in it. Christy? Sure. I mean, it doesn't really matter. The, the point is, is they get back to... The, like, this train arrives at the city... And they find no one on it except Natasha Henshridge, who is handcuffed to a pole, and they they wake her up, and they bring her in for this hearing, and it's you know she's she's kind of confrontational about it. She's like, "Oh, am I being charged with something? Like the cops have no rights uh, anymore, kind of thing." And they sit her down and they just want to know what happened, and she starts telling the story, and then it just does the fade, and that's it. We're on the train on the way to this town with her and the rest of her team. And they do this whole they do this whole thing with her at the start where they set up that she's addicted to some sort of like fancy space drug, and I thought a okay, narcotic, and very funny, and I thought okay, fine, this is something to set up and to play off with later, but honestly, it's they set this up for one reason, and for one reason alone, it's so it can be used as a plot device later, and they do nothing with the fact that she's either supposed to be addicted and either not being completely sober or having withdrawal symptoms maybe they do like they just ignore it until it's time to use it as a magic solution to something um so it like in hindsight it was just like a cheap plot device than it was anything else like well, i don't know I, I i thought that was a bit sloppy <clears throat> yeah they said it right away that when they find her in the beginning and they mentioned right away that she has some sort of narcotic in her. Like, otherwise she seems completely normal. And so that's set up. And then, like, almost instantly we get we get a visual of her actually taking a pill and having some hallucinations. So there's a little bit of that. So it's not like, I don't know. I guess they set it up enough to where it doesn't come out of nowhere. And it was in my mind, like, they're going to do something with this. And when they do something with it, I'm like, all right, so that's what that was for. Yeah. 
Like, it's not like a, ca- a part of her character story. I mean, she barely has a character story. But I, I thought that's what they were setting up, is that she's going to overcome this later on. Or Hey, cops are addicted to drugs, too. That's what the commentary is. Like, who's the real uh-huh. cop and who's the real criminal here? We're all human. Like, I, I thought they were setting up this as something for her to overcome, or maybe the reason why she's taking this stuff is, like, some personal thing she has to get over. Nope. That would be nope. right in the... Re- that would be a real movie. That would be actually... Drugs are cool. That's what I was trying to say. And <laughs> might save your life one day. <laughs> like, that would be a real movie to actually write a character story about it. But no, of course, this movie doesn't have any character stories, so uh, that was the foolish thing to expect. Mm. So, it, it, yeah, it's... Anyway, they're going to pick up this criminal who turns out to be Ice Cube, who has apparently decapitated a bunch of people. Obviously, as we find out in the movie, that's actually these ghosts of Mars that are doing that. It's not him. But they get to this town. The train moves on because it's got other things to go do. And it's just this team, which is, you know, it's Pram Greer's in charge. Natasha Henstridge is kind of the second in command. And then they've got uh, Jason Statham as Jericho. And then they've got two rookies. One's Cleo Duval and one's the red shirt, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> I'll call pretty boy. That. I don't know. Yeah, he's got nothing going for him. And to be fair, that's kind of true for all the characters to a point. They have very little. Um, and that's the other thing is Pam Greer does not last long. Like, Mm-mm. after she, like, sees some of the bodies hanging upside down and they talk a little bit about what to do, she goes off. Uh, they, like, they find, like, a guy hiding, like, a little like rover thing and he's saying don't come in don't let it out and natasha henstress even reads his lips and figures out roughly what he was saying and they still try to get in and i'm like listen to him he's telling you because so this is kind of the biggest thing this is ripping off is assault and precinct 13 but the second thing it's ripping off is the thing this idea that there's this entity that'll like take over people um and it leads to so many stupid plot holes in this movie because they set up if you kill one of the people who are possessed with one of the ghosts of Mars, the ghost doesn't die. It just kind of goes into someone else, right? Mm-hmm. Which is kind of a, a big deal because it means you can't really just kill any of them. Otherwise, you may end up just getting possessed yourself and you've solved nothing and you've lost your own life. And yet, repeatedly in this movie, there is just... They kill. They kill <laughs> so many people. And the... The goal of it is, is that they have this big scene in the middle where they have this big firefight where they're just shooting dozens and dozens of them and there's not a concern in the world. And then later on when they're planning their escape to try and get to the train, I think it's Ice Cube turns and says, hey, if we kill one of those sons of bitches, they might just take us instead. And I'm like, where, where was this concern when you were mowing down like 50 of them earlier? Where did all those ghosts go? Eh? Why did none of you well, get infected back then? They shouldn't have sent cops. They should have sent an exorcist. Maybe multiple exorcists. A Mars a Marsterist. That's just the same Maestercist. That's just the same joke as before. This is diminishing <laughs> returns right now. No, I'm setting up a pattern. <laughs> Comedy comes in threes, baby. <laughs> yeah, but the mental chapter's not usually this bad. <laughs> ah uh, yeah so yeah they end up just kind of like like because jason statham goes looking for pam greer uh this is one of the moments where it goes back in time and shows what happens when he like went on his own 
and he goes off and he basically finds an entire army of savages which so it turns out when these martian ghosts like overtake people they turn into like reavers from firefly or maybe even a little bit of uh like the characters in event horizon when they get taken over by the cosmic yeah, they, forces they just self-mutilate <laughs> yeah put stuff in their faces and become metalheads yeah so he sees all this and he sees pam greer's head be put on a pike and i'm like oh i guess she's dead all right fair enough yeah that's her gun sure okay <laughs> and he runs into like three other characters who are hiding somewhere which turns out to be some thugs that are actually here to break out ice cube out of prison which actually leads to one of the dumbest moments in the whole these characters are repeatedly very dumb in this movie but one of the dumbest moments is these three guys like hold all the cops up at gunpoint force them to take them to the cell that ice cube's sitting in they open the cell they go in and hug him and while they're hugging ice cube the cops just shut the cell door and now they're trapped <laughs> in the jail cell. I thought that was funny. <laughs> it was funny. And it might even have been intentionally funny, but the acting in this movie like just doesn't play like anything mm-hmm. that's supposed to be a joke is or anything that's actually funny is supposed to be a joke. And so many things that it feel like they're supposed to be funny because of the way they give the lines is painfully unfunny. I mean, there is another part in it that was pretty funny though. When the guy uses the machete to cut the can open and he slices his thumb off. I thought this was totally weird a place, though. Well, I mean, they said that he's like he was using some sort of uh, it was like laughing gas or something. Like it was mostly air in a canister, but it also had a little bit of laughing uh, no, gas I, in it. I, I, so I know, he was a bit high. Yeah, I, I know why he's making this mistake, but I'm saying tonally for the movie, it felt so out of place that there's this weird scene all of a sudden where he's trying to impress the woman that was in the jails because there's like a few random civilians that are in the other jail cells and. He's trying to impress one that he thinks is attractive and he goes to chop off this the end of this tin with a machete and cuts off his finger and there's this whole pause where they wait and look at what he's done and he picks like up blood his... Blood squirting yeah. out of the thumb. And it's just this like slapstick comedy moment and I think this moment and the very end of the movie felt so tonally just like... It's, it's like, it, again, it's, it's like it's somewhere along the way someone wanted to make this like a... like a 2001 popcorn crowd pleaser movie instead of whatever the original intent was supposed to be. Those are actually like my two favorite parts of the movie though. Or like when when stuff was was working for me. It was when they did the slapstick part here and then the very last moment when our two main characters actually have character. <laughs> yeah, but they didn't have that character the whole movie. It, it was, I know, it was which forced. is why I It was like, terrible. Well, where was this the whole film? Because I enjoyed that bit. But, but this is the problem. Like, you can't say that's good. Like, it's bad. Yes, because I can. I'd no. say that's the good part of the film. Like, the rest of it not, wasn't though. as good. Because the whole rest of the movie does not set up for them having this attitude at the end. It's weird. <laughs> but I wish it did. Like, I wish they had this coolness for the rest <laughs> of the film. Like, like, oh, there it is. <laughs> like, why not be a little bit more self-aware and like meta even if you wanted to and have ice cube like look at the camera more or have like natasha actually have some attitude and have i don't know like if you want i I feel like if he he wanted to be a little bit verhoven like he could have you know with this made a little bit starship troopers in this or something but like it's missing that that the stuff that's here and in the the thumb cutting scene and the stuff that's in the very last moment of the movie i'm like oh i like this (laughs) like it made me smile 
the movie did not earn that ending though because it didn't like this whole friendship that her and ice cube are supposed to have built is so unearned like they don't do any like they, uh, they have respect for each other i guess they, they kind of save each other but you don't feel the weight of any of the moments that everything is so uh, i just I, I don't think any of it works and it is funny that they're i mean since we already brought it up that they are clearly about to make the exact same mistake again and just go mow down a bunch of ghosts and possibly get possessed. Yeah, the, the movie ends with, like, uh, the ghosts have invaded the city and Natasha Hensrich is getting out of bed and then the door slams open and it's Ice Cube, who's already, like, escaped from her. Like, that's part of the movie is that he's already run away from her mm-hmm. and he throws her a chrome machine gun. Yes. And then the That's movie, how you kill a ghost. The movie ends with them walking off with their chrome machine guns and saying, let's kick some ass. And the movie does not set up for that tone at all. It's stupid. Every decision these characters make is absolutely dumb. Like, for example, after they've decided they all have to work together and they have to get to the train, which they're expecting back by a certain time, they make a point of going out relatively quietly and they're just trying to get to the train and wait for it right but the train's not there in time it's delayed because it's a train trains are always delayed even on mars apparently and ice cube just says oh let's just do what we should have done in the first place and he just dual wields two machine guns and we get something that almost feels like an overball scene this scene where they <laughs> walk down the main street of this little town just firing machine guns at all these random like you know savage alien dudes coming at them feels like an overbowl House of the Dead action scene where nothing has any weight to it. There's no stakes. Some of the red shirts do die, but like nothing really feels like it means anything. Uh, in fact, one of the big problems I have with the direction in this movie is that anytime there's any kind of like fighting going on, like there's no urgency or momentum to it. Like there's a scene early on where they're going through one of the buildings. And one of the possessed people jumps out and attacks uh, Henry's, and I think Jason Statham's there. And but there's like a good few seconds of them just fighting in like a wide shot, and it just looks like actors play fighting because it really does. I think they slowed it down too much, like or they didn't speed it up enough. Like you know, it looks like they're doing the choreograph, like. Well, I, I, I well, that, that maybe some trickery would help it, but I think it's just a case of they did not like rehearse this. They did not have someone telling them this is how quick you have to move to make it look convincing. So yeah. it looks too slow. It looks awkward. It looks like, you know how like, when you watch old episodes of Star Trek, the original series, and they, they get into a fight scene. And Careful, it goes, where are you going with this? Oh, come on. You have to admit the fight <laughs> scenes of the original Star Trek are pretty... pretty yeah. Maker. It's kind of on almost at that level, right? They're, they're trying to do more normal fight moves, but it still feels like that. And Yeah, it feels a little bit like one of the villains is coming up and he's like, I'm going to swing at you this way, so you better hurry up and block me with your other, yeah. whatever weapon you're using. So <clears throat> there's a lot of that and all the, every time there's any kind of fighting, it feels like that. But it's especially bad in this big scene where they're going down the street, they're firing 100 bullets, they're, and then they start hitting people with guns, even though I don't think anyone says they're ammo. They just start like using them as melee weapons for some reason. So I mean, I don't I guess I don't know the rules, but it seems like they have the host has to die in order for the ghost to get out. It can't just transfer at will. I don't think that ever comes up in the movie, but seemingly, yes, that seems to be the case. That seems to be the rules that we get here. But, like, if you knock someone out, then is the ghost trapped? Like, and also, Natasha seems to have the cure. The cure is methamphetamine, so... And then, like, if everybody just gets, you know, super 
high, I guess like there's not going to be anyone for the ghost to possess and they can trap them or... I don't know. Well, you should explain that scene. You just kind of stood out there without any explanation. So basically... Well, we sort of talked. We, I guess we danced around well, no, it, but we, we sort of we, yeah, but we didn't talk about what actually happened. So <clears> basically, <throat> Claire Duval is also an idiot because she... So there's a guy who gets infected who they've got in the jail cell. In a cell. So they just yeah. shut the cell and it's like, okay, he's contained, no big deal. And that is obviously the solution here is that all of these people who are possessed, all you have to do is imprison them and mm-hmm. they're no danger to anyone, right? But Claire Duval basically just gets creeped out enough that she decides to shoot him in the head. Randomly. And there's like almost no build up to it. It just happens in the middle of another scene. In fact, it happens in the scene where Jason Statham takes Natasha Hendricks to a back room and says, Hey, things are going quite south here. This may be the last chance we have to have sex. And she's like, you know what, maybe. And she kisses him. And I thought the tone of this scene was telling me that she was playing along because she was about to hit him in the nuts or something like that. But because no. they get because they get interrupted by a scream or a gunshot that happens elsewhere, it feels like no, she was actually just going along with it, and I have a problem with that because nothing in this movie with her character ever, ever, ever suggested that she was ever going to fall for this guy. I don't think that she was ever like in love with the guy, or well, no, no, you no, know, no, oh, no, I'm not saying she's in love with him, but like. The movie did not justify to me. It didn't. It felt fake. It didn't feel real that she was going to just give in and say, "Yeah, let's have sex. Why not?" It didn't feel real that she was making that decision. It- no, I, I, I mean, honestly, like I kind of enjoyed the moment because it was very much like because this is the matriarchy. This is the part where like it kind of kicks in a little bit, where you know he's being a little bit scuzzy because he really wants to have sex with her, but ultimately, it's she's the one that has to decide. Yeah, okay. We could do it. <laughs> and why not? Like, she probably thinks she's going to die too. And he's an attractive enough guy and he wants to go for it. And she's like, okay. Yeah. I don't know. Like, it worked for me. It did not work for me. And I think saying this is tied into the matriarchy thing is a bit of a stretch. <laughs> I don't think so. I think because the patriarchy, you have to have like this, you know, relationship of, oh, you know, the idyllic patriarchy is you have to be a wife. You know, you have to be available for your husband. And that's how, like the, that's the only way that you're supposed to like have sex, you know. And in this world where the matriarchy, no, like we're the ones that make the decision. But the problem with what you're saying here, Tara, <laughs> is that every sci-fi horror movie that's ever been made has characters that are trying to have sex. And even in all those movies, unless the guy is very problematic, he usually gets an okay from the other person to have the sex. I don't see how this is any different. Um, I don't know. It just came off as like he really wants to, but like she's the one that's ultimately in charge. So all he can do is just like flirt until she's like, let's go. You know, and it, it does feel a bit colder, but it doesn't it doesn't feel like but, a romance. But how is that different from any other like anything <laughs> remotely healthy where the guy has to wait for an OK? How is it any different from any of those? Because it really felt like she was in control. It, they didn't feel equal. It felt like she had all the power. I think you're giving it too much credit, but fair enough. I'll, Maybe I'll... I see something that it's easier for women to see. <laughs> I don't think so. I... <laughs> I don't know. I enjoyed it. <laughs> I don't know. It felt really false to me that she was remotely <clears throat> even given in or considering having sex with him. But anyway, they're interrupted because Clea Duval decides to shoot the possessed guy in the jail cell. And all I'm thinking is, you idiot. Now yeah. the ghost is going to come out and possess one of you. What? I know. 
I actually thought it was really dumb that nobody else called her an idiot. <laughs> yeah, why, <laughs> why would the, you do that? Why are they not all pissed at her? <laughs> They're all like, uh oh. <laughs> It could I, be any one of us. Like, okay. no, you should be really upset with her. <laughs> no, not only should they be pissed at her immediately, they should especially be pissed at her after it possesses Natasha Henstrange and they have to toss her outside. Like, they have to, like, throw her outside and basically consider her dead because she's been possessed. And, like, why aren't, why aren't any of you mad at her for this? Like, she did this to her, effectively. And yeah. it's almost like we can't even play with the idea that they don't know what... Because they could have done, like, a, a, a The Thing-style moment here where it's like, one of us has been possessed and we don't know which one it is. But I think it's almost like Carpenter, because he made The Thing, didn't want to, like, retread that ground. Yeah, it's always obvious who's been possessed. Yeah, so it's always immediately clear who's been possessed because she immediately, like, reacts and, like, goes down into, like, a... Almost like a seizure-style thing and then it's like, okay, well, she's been possessed. Well, I guess we'll throw it outside. But Jason Statham thinks to give her her weird, like, LSD pill or whatever it is, and... Let her have one more trip. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but would you believe it, this thing does not agree with the ghost, and the ghost ends up being coughed up out of her mouth. So, they have found a cure. So, two things have been established at this point in the movie. The way to neutralize these enemies is to just trap them somewhere so they're not a danger to anyone, because killing them just makes the ghosts that are in them spread to someone else, and it'll just kill more people. Number two, there is a cure, <laughs> right? Which means you're just mowing down people that could potentially be cured also. <laughs> yes. So, which leads me to why the entire, like, so they have a big fight scene as, like, the all the enemies, like, swarm the, the police building they're in, right? And they have a bit of an escape. Some characters die. Uh, between the first action scene and this one, there's people getting their limbs and heads lopped off. The red shirt guy gets his arm cut off and then his head yeah, cut off. Yeah, I like that he gets his, his arm sliced off. And then he's still like, yeah, I'm going to keep fighting. And he still like starts yeah. shooting at everybody until he gets decapitated by the same like buzzsaw thing. And that, that's all that's all fine. Honestly, I thought these action scenes were pretty boring, though. I, I enjoyed the arm getting cut off, sure. Like, that's obviously fun, but... For the most part, these action scenes, kind of like what we were saying before about the fighting, just feeling kind of like play fighting. It never really felt like it had any like weight to it or any sense of real threat or danger. Yeah, it could but, have been But so they, they, they're on the run, the train's here now, and they're trying to get to the train, right? And they have this big thing where they get to the train. Some of them have died along the way, but most of the main characters get onto the train and the train's moving. I did think it was weird that none of the possessed people try and jump on the train while it's still going slow enough to jump onto. It's especially dumb because when they come back later and try and leave again, they do jump on the train. And I thought, why didn't they just do that the first time? This is weird. <laughs> but they're on the train and they're out of there. They've actually made it out with mostly most of the pe main people we care about. They're on their way out of the, 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 the town. Everything's good. And Natasha Henstrings, the dumb bitch, right? Oh, I shouldn't say hey. Natasha. I should say Lieutenant Melanie Ballard, the dumb bitch. <laughs> she says, stop the train, we have to go back. And I'm like, what's this now? We're 20 minutes from the end of the movie, Natasha. Why, why, why do we have to go back? We need a big explosion. And she says, we have a chance to stop this. And she's immediately like, what can we do? And like the scientist lady who's there, who was, who's been around since the, the jail cell stuff, is like, Oh, there's a nuclear power plant. We could uh, Chernobyl it and set off a nuke. And someone actually asked the real question that I was thinking at this point is like, but if we nuke them and they all die, does that not all just mean the ghosts are all free to go and get other people? 
And the doctor lady simply goes, I don't know. So, Natasha Henstry's character forces them to go back, which, by the way, kills every single one of them except her and Ice Cube. They all die in this mission to go back. Mm -hmm. They set off the nuke, but they accomplish absolutely nothing. Right? Maybe they kill a lot of the human hosts, but the mere fact... Who could be cured, by the way. The mere fact that the city at the end is being invaded by the ghostly spirits and possessing (laughs) people is probably the same group of ghosts that came from these bodies that they blew up. Meaning that this idiot character has gotten an entire team killed, has doomed probably thousands of people in this city. (laughs) Like, every single death from this point on is on her hands. And all she had to do was just leave. And she And tell people they care. (laughs) (laughs) This may be one of the most forced we-have-to-go-back things I have ever heard in a movie. Normally when a character like in this part where they could get away and they say no we have to go back it's just, there's usually a good reason you, you know you have to go back and save newt from the alien queen right you understand it it may not be the smartest choice from a logic perspective but you understand why the character believes in it but not only do we not have that emotional hook with this character up until this moment this character's not even talked about trying to contain this situation they've never even brought it up no and like i mean they could have done a little bit more with it if like because she was possessed for a very short period of time and she talks about like oh i've seen like i saw what they looked like yeah we actually get civilization uh, so she could be like i know their weakness or something you know (laughs) yeah we get a glimpse of what they look like uh it's just very brief but you see like sort of lizard men or something like inner Mm -hmm. vision yeah they look weird yeah yeah, apparently the ghosts have been dormant, but all the people, you know, digging things up and mining and stuff is what's, you know, unleashed them upon the world. Although, deep. yeah, what's weird is there's a little flashback with the doctor lady who was there. Then despite the fact that she was the one who opened the door that let these things out, she didn't get possessed until, like, towards what the end of the Eve movie. What move of her. Yeah. So, yeah. but there's like, they find, like, a door in, like, the, the in the mountains that's, like, these things are all inside. And so, so oh, you just had to open i mean i guess okay i understand the curiosity you found a, a clearly intelligent life made a door on mars mm-hmm. like long before humans ever got there i admit i get why they're curious but you know it does also unleash this thing that ends up killing lots of people and probably everyone on the planet by the end yeah <laughs> I think she compares it to cicadas, like, oh, like their souls go underground and wait out until the next rain season or whatever, which has been millions of years in this case, but <laughs> like cicadas when they go underground for seven years and then come back out. Yeah, I don't think <laughs> cicadas actually have their ghosts leave their body, though. I think that's not quite how that works. Just a, just a thought. I don't think so either. Yeah. Just a sneaking suspicion. Yeah, like, I, I was... Like, I, I was thinking the characters were making little dumb decisions, like, throughout the whole movie, and then Clea Duvall shot the possessed guy, when they've clearly established at this point that the spirits will leave and then go into someone else, so all you're doing is doing someone else, and I thought that was, like, oh my god, they've just reached a new low for how dumb these characters can be, and then it got to Natasha Henstridge wanting to go back to nuke the place, when I'm like, so you want to free all the spirits to go and look for new hosts? Mm-hmm. Does that not strike you as a dumb move and 
even when the doctor says hey that's might exactly be what happens we don't know for a fact that nuking them will actually achieve anything other than maybe make it worse by spreading them further they still go back and do it yep and i didn't even notice when clea deval get killed she definitely did get killed because they all get killed on the way they back did. to the train but um i don't think i remember the scene where she gets I, killed i didn't see her get killed i saw jason statham get grabbed i saw both the train driver guys uh like one gets disked and like you know gets his like throat slit the mm-hmm. other one yeah i think gets hit when he's like falling off the train um but i i, I did miss a few of the other deaths because the, it's it's just a mess of things happening it's hard to like it's not well constructed where things lead into the other things or you get a sense of the geography it's all just yeah. kind of a mishmash of there's violence. no like someone getting sliced in the throat and then they have like a realization that oh god this is my last moment alive <laughs> you know and um or like the camera focuses on the terror in their face or anything like that everything's pretty neutral even when people are dying yeah <laughs> There's very little personality, emotion, or character like across the board in this movie. Yeah, it's very um, strange. Yeah, the, in fact, the biggest death moment probably comes from the leader of the possessed people because mm-hmm. he has this big moment where he's like, he's actually on the train at the end, and Ice Cube disconnects the last train car, and he's like set up some explosives. So he's sort of standing on the front of this train car as it explodes behind <laughs> him, he's screaming, and it's just kind of, it, it's, it's, it's quite, it's, honestly, it's pretty laughable bad. Like it's, I mean, it's, it's it's fun. Yeah, it is. But it's fun to look at at least because he is at least, I don't know, filming a death scene that feels important. <laughs> it, it, like, I could probably enjoy it as a bad movie if it was more like moments like that. Instead, like all the weird. It structural... could definitely use a riff tracks. Yeah, all the weird structural things though, where it does the crossfades or it goes back and like says, "Here's the other side of this story." But the other side of that story it was just one quick moment. We could have just cut... Like, we could have had... like Instead of cutting back to when Pram Greer separated from Natasha and went and found all these bodies hanging up in a building, you could have literally just have her like reunite with Natasha, say, hey, I found something. And as, as she says it, just do a quick like two-second flash of what she saw as she's yeah, speaking. It, I mean, it should all be... It mostly is anyway, but it should all be from Natasha's perspective since she's the one who's telling the story mm-hmm. um so it kind of cheats that a little bit but i suppose she is technically a bit of an unreliable narrator because in the end she says like oh i don't know how ice cube got away but we see that he you know that they have like a moment together yeah but i also thought it was weird though because she doesn't really let him away he handcuffs her and he says i'm going now and i handcuffed you so you because i knew you wouldn't let me and she tries to hold a gun up to him and she decides not to shoot him sure but I thought maybe, like, it'd be more of an ending if she's like, yeah, you know what? Like, you don't deserve to be arrested for this. On you go. Like, you know, get lost. I'll see you some other I time. I thought that was kind of, like, the understanding. They could have done more. But there was... Like, I've, I've, just, I've seen this done better. I've seen everything in this movie done better. Like, er, like some of it's in John Carpenter's other movies, which is the really insane thing. You know? Yeah. I mean, it would have been great if this was, like, a 310 to Yuma moment. Like, there's there's... A lot of Assault in Precinct 13, there's a decent amount of the thing, and then there's even some aliens, and which is obviously not John Carpenter, but obviously there's a little bit of some other things squeaking in here. Um, you know, so... Because there's this team going into this area where something bad's already happened. That's very aliens, you know? Um, but it's... Yeah. I don't know. It's a hodgepodge of other sci-fi movies where if it wasn't as, like, just 
shittily constructed and directed with all these edgy characters trying to sound cool. Like, at one point, what was the line? Um, so the, the little group that Ice Cube's got that try to break him out, and they all die quite quickly in the big action scene, but there's a little <laughs> bit of them, and they're not great actors, uh, but the, the brother one, Uno, uh, he says to Natasha Hedrick that he wants to slice off her tits. That was a line of dialogue. And then she kind of awkwardly like does like a, you know, grab the arm and sort of pin him down and said, who's in charge here? But that obviously, as we said, all the action like this looks really bad because it looks too slow. It doesn't feel like she's like she really knows what she's doing. It feels like she's been taught a little move and she's kind of doing it slowly. Yeah. But, but she could have put a little bit more into it. But the, the point I'm making, though, is the line, I'm going to sl- sl- slice those tits off. It's just such a like edge lord. Like this feels like a 13 year old wrote that line. Okay, well, you're insulting your favorite director now. <laughs> How is this different from me saying the rest of the movie's been shit the entire time? He's not 13. <laughs> he was probably about 50 by the time he made this, but I, I, I still, I'm still going to critique it. This was a horrible <laughs> line of dialogue. Besides, yeah, it, was fine. it may have been the co-writer. I don't know. Um, it could have been. You're right. But the I, Doom fan. That, that's... I don't know. I feel like you're 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 stonewalling me here, but like this movie's terrible. I'm sorry. Like I, <laughs> I, I don't have anything. Like I can go for some <laughs> constructive suggestions how to fix specific moments, I guess. But the entire thing is just built on like a weird structure with characters who are unlikable, bland, and everything that they have is just trying to be cool because it's the post Matrix world and it's going to be holding chrome guns and dual wielding pistols and. Just like it's got that. What was that movie? Uh, funnily enough, actually, it was the remake of Assault on Precinct 13, uh, where that came out in like 2005. And one of the complaints I had about that movie is that every time anyone was in a shootout and they were just standing still firing a gun, it looked really boring, like, like they weren't doing anything to make it feel like an exciting shootout. And I felt that same thing here. Every time there was a shot of someone just standing firing a gun, like there's one moment when Clea Duvall's got two handguns and she's just like, oh yeah, and she's just firing them left and right. And I thought, you just look like you're an actor standing there just going like this. Like, there's no, like, thirst to it. There's no sense of actual there's danger no... around her. Yeah. And also there's just no, like, care put into it. <laughs> yeah. Put into the scene in any way. It's... Because it's one thing to have a movie that's kind of flawed and doesn't quite work or it doesn't quite click. Some of the elements don't quite come together. But right from the get-go, this feels like like everything's off. Like everything's not working. I mean, you think working. at some point during the production, someone would have said like, so when they die, we become vulnerable. Why are we killing them? Yes. <laughs> so many of them. Well, that's, that's, that's what's so annoying, though, is they do bring it up later. They talk about it before they're going to make their escape to try and get to the train. and But as they're talking about it and raising this concern, I'm like, but you've already like did a whole scene where you were massacring dozens and dozens of them mm-hmm. without any care in the world. Why was there no consequences to that? There should have been consequences. In fact, honestly, you killed enough of them that every single one of you should be possessed right now. Every single yeah. one of you. Yeah. But, and the ghost that was possessing Syl, like, does does it die? Because we see it, it, like, leave her body, but we don't... That's a good point. That should have possessed someone else. And isn't it lucky that there's a very specific finite number? Like, they've all got hosts, so there's none left. 
So it's only when we kill one that there's another, you know, that one can then repossess someone. Um, which I guess they kind of set up because they mentioned that when this cloud of ghosts originally came, and there's a quick flashback to this, um, they say that all the miners all like fell asleep. And then when they woke up, they turned into this. But there was a small percentage that didn't turn, and those were just murdered by the others that had turned possessed. So I so guess yeah, they they could so, literally take ghost inventory and keep track. Yeah, so like, like they, that, they know like oh we have them all. That defines how many there actually are. That, that I guess that does set up no, those exactly say sixty two <laughs> ghosts. So there can only be sixty two possessed people at one time, like unless they find another door. Right. That said, though, Jason Statham says there's 200. It didn't look 200 to me. I think he was bumping the numbers to make it sound more dramatic. It looked more like mm. 50, but I'll, you know, I'll take his word for it. So maybe there's 200, but... That's such a Jason Statham thing to do. Yeah, very good. Um, yeah. It, God, this is such shit. Like, it, it's such <laughs> shit from the get-go. It, like... It's full of tropes from 2001. It feels like Carpenter's just doing all the things that everyone else was doing in 2001. And when I say it feels like it could have been directed by any work-for-hire director who would just churn out a movie at that time period, that's what it feels like. There is not a single lick of this that actually feels like John Carpenter. In fact, the, the very fact that it's ripping off a couple of his movies makes it feel even less like him because you would assume that he wouldn't rip off his own movies. It feels like someone else imitating those movies. The fact that it's him is just kind of surreal and sad. So Maybe he was like, you know, I want to make Assault on Precinct 13 and The Thing again, but I want to do it right this time. I'm going to put it on Mars. <sighs> Tara, I don't wish violence upon you. I don't want to wish violence upon you, but you're testing my patience. <laughs> what? Maybe he thought that. Who knows? No, he didn't. <laughs> I know. That's the, to answer your question, I know. Okay? Mm. Okay. <laughs> oh, dear. Um, I mean, I guess that's... Uh, I, there's probably some other things I could complain about if I stopped and thought about it some more, but I, I just... Right from the... Because the very first thing that happens in this movie is there's narration telling you things and there's text telling you things and those mm-hmm. two things are different and it's impossible to pay attention to both and that's just the, 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 the first sign that this movie is poorly constructed and there's no thought put into it and it's just going to constantly make weird mistakes and then top of the dumb characters the 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 characters that have no personality that are not as cool as the script wants that you think they are Sometimes when they're delivering lines that are supposed to be cool, it sounds like they're trying really hard or they're not trying at all. But either way, it's not working. <laughs> Natasha's sleepwalking through the movie. Like, you know what? Maybe you being the silent, sexy one was playing to your strengths, you know? I think, I mean, honestly, I think Species is just a better directed movie, which is odd because it seems like it should be just a, a dumb B movie and an excuse to show off boobs, but it's actually kind of a thoughtful or not thoughtful, but like oh, yeah, a the, well thought out and had like some I, well, had some I, good sci-fi in it. Yeah, I don't think it's thoughtful or, or I, I think I mean the first thing you said I think is the accurate thing. I think it's just better directed. Like is like for for all the schlockiness that that movie kind of is, the director because it still has like even though she's pretty silent in that, she still is sympathetic. Well, no, but like, the director, even even if the movie's as schlocky as it is, 
that director still wanted to do the best he could with it. It feels that way yeah. when you watch it. Yeah, he's, he's, try, he's trying to make good scenes. He's trying to make the tension work. He's trying to do all these things. And Too I just, bad about the ending. Like, yeah. like, if there's one thing I can say about this movie is that John Carpenter did not care about this. I, I, like, genuinely, he could not have cared about this because the things that this movie's doing it are, are just sloppy. They're just bad. There's no way he thought he was making great decisions with some of this. I, it's just, it all says to me he just didn't care and he was doing it for the paycheck or whatever else it may be at this point. Yeah, probably. And I think you can probably say that. Like, I, I think you track his work from the early 90s to about now and you can see this just slope of like... Yeah, I feel like a lot of directors have that, which, you know, feels kind of sad, but maybe it's just... You know, they make their masterpieces and then they're like, yeah, I mean, I'll keep working because I, I don't want to be bored. And unless you're a carpenter and you're like, well, it turns out video games are really fun. But like, I don't know. I mean, it happens to a lot of directors. You know, they're they have a prime. Yeah, it doesn't it happen to all of them, but it does. Like Brian De Palma is the same way. He was great for like two decades or so. He made a Mars movie. <laughs> it, it, that's true. He did make a Mars movie and it was pretty mm-hmm. bad. Well, not as bad as this. Mission to Mars is better than Ghost, Ghost to Mars. I think that's a pretty fair statement. Mm, they're probably about equal. No, they're not. Shut up. That is the one of the dumbest things you've ever said. That, that can't be true. <laughs> that's one of the dumbest things you've ever said. Mission to Mars is not good, but it's it still feels like a professional made it. <laughs> eh, I don't know. It felt no, pretty... It, I, I remember when we did not like that movie, no, especially I, me. No, I didn't like the movie, but you, you, like, you can't just say these two are equal. They're not. This is far worse. This is horrendously constructed. This is terribly. I, I'd paced. have to watch both back to back. No, I, I, you, you're absolutely off your mind if you think these are equal. <laughs> you're off your mind. Off my meds, you mean? All right, I'm just going to repeat myself. So that's just let's rate this piece of shit and get on with it. Uh, I'll just pretend Tara didn't say something as ridiculous as she just said and we can move on with our lives um what are you rating Ghost of Mars I'll give it a five five yeah I don't really think it's the worst I think like there's a lot of plot holes there's some silliness in it that makes me giggle but I don't know I don't I don't think I don't think it's the worst I think this movie is legitimately about one step away from movie bowl (laughs) I've never seen a movie bowl film can't wait. Uh, I for honestly for me this is this is a two point five. Okay. I think it's so that I bad. Your score. What's that? <laughs> I doubled you. Yeah, she did. You doubled my score. Um, I, I think the fundamental weird little filmmaking making things this does are absolutely baffling. I think the <laughs> characters are bland, if not annoying. There's there's little to care about. The, the the only thing like I like the idea of the movie and the general setting of it. Like I, I could see a good version of this being made by someone who gives a shit, but it's very clear that no one did. And um every even actors in this who I know can be good all come off poorly. Uh mm-hmm. the character decisions are frustrating and when the characters try to act cool, especially at the very end when, like, this girl kicks some ass, like, we're supposed to, like, cheer as it goes to credits, I'm like, F you. 
I'm like, F you, I hope you both die horribly. That was how I felt. So I was like, where are, where were these characters the whole film? I think this that this is <laughs> This is even worse than the reputation suggested to me, and I've been hearing how bad it is for like 20 years at this point. So. I'll probably watch it again. Well, you are a glutton for punishment. Uh, but that is. I like what I like. That is the movie. Um, you can let us know what you think of it in the comments. Uh, next time, we will be looking at Honey We Shrunk Ourselves, which is a weird pivot, uh, but we'll be. <laughs> We'll be doing that next time to round off the Honey, I Shrunk the Kids trilogy, which we've done the first two entries of, of course. So we'll do that next time. And uh, Tara only has about maybe four episodes left, I think, give or take. Something like that. Uh, before David swaps in. Um, the plan is, is after we do our last few movies, uh, Tara's final episode is going to be her redoing her top 50 sci-fi movies of all time. And yeah. uh, consider an exit interview of, of, of sorts. <laughs> I better start working on that list. Yeah. To see how much your uh, list has changed and evolved uh, after your 200 plus episodes of the show. So That's true. We have watched some good stuff I know I've seen before. Yes. And some terrible stuff like this episode. So I don't it, think this one's going to make my list. Now. It better not. It better not. <laughs> Maybe honorable mentions. <laughs> I'll tell you right now. <laughs> what are you going to do? Fire me? <laughs> I'll set you on fire. What? <laughs> That's on camera. If I die by fire, you guys know who did it. Luckily, the distance between us gives me a good bit of an alibi. But unless... there's a lot of fire here. So. <laughs> unless I have somehow developed very, very long distance pyrokinesis, um, I think I'm in the clear. But uh... Yeah. Or you could hire somebody. Hire Tim. Tim, do Tim, you own a, Tim the arsonist. Do you happen to own a flamethrower, Tim? If he was on Mars, he'd be a arsonist. You said rule of threes oh. would make that work. It did Comedy not work. comes in three. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. <laughs> <sighs> Look how happy it made me. <laughs> That's the show, everyone. I'll see you next week. So, so, for, uh, support us on Patreon if you like for, for bonus content and help keep the show coming and all that stuff. And you can go and, you know, check out the other shows, check out Collector's Cut that I do with David or Screams After Midnight, which is the horror movie podcast that I do with Tim. Uh, all worth having a look at. But that is the episode. In fact, I should mention for, for October, we do a lot of extra episodes of Screams After Midnight because it's the month of horror. So. We have the Octoberthon, which uh, we had four episodes out this week, which was uh, a lot of editing work, I have to say. <laughs> I was, I'm tired. I'm tired and I'm ready for October to be over. Yep. So, and everyone gets to reap the benefits of so many episodes. They do. They do. And they better enjoy it, because I had to watch Subspecies 2 and Subspecies 3, and very soon Subspecies 4 and 5, and it's all Tim's fault. I'm holding him accountable. Anyway. Did you say count because it's a vampire? No, I did not. You could use that joke if you want. I would rather cut off my hand. What? <laughs> Why don't you want to bring joy to people? Let the joy into your life. 
the pro- I think the problem is is that like I I'm too I, I I'm too emotionally affected by this movie, and I'm just I'm not here I'm not here for lighthearted humor right and bad puns because that's what that was that was a bad pun let's not pretend otherwise. Ah ah ah. All right, I'm uh I'm done. Thank you for joining us, everyone. Keep watching the science fiction and computer at Salsa. Thank you.